0: Welcome to CSU Stories, the podcast where we tell the stories of the unique work of people in regional New South Wales and beyond. From Hollywood careers to amphibian specialists, we talk with CSU staff, students, alumni and members of our communities to share how our regions are shaping Australia and the world. I'm with Dr Melissa Knott at uh, Charleston University this afternoon. And We're going to be discussing some of the challenges for providing health services in uh, regional Australia. Um, Melissa, what are some of those challenges?
1: So Wes, I think there's a lot of challenges for people living in rural Australia. I think probably the one that most people are familiar with is distance. So distance between where people live and their closest healthcare provider, and particularly the distance between where people live and access to specialist care services. In addition to that impact of distance, when people do need to access those services, there's additional costs associated. People need to leave their communities and need to leave their families behind. So it's a really big decision for people to actually go and access healthcare services. So as a result, often people are leaving it much later to access health. And what we know is that people who are living in rural areas actually have a higher incidence of chronic condition. And, and I think there is a relationship between the fact that it is so hard to access healthcare services that people delay and delay and delay. So by the time they actually get to go and see a doctor or go and see a therapist. It's actually, the condition's already in a really advanced stage, and then it's bringing with it lots of secondary problems. So we're not getting in early enough to identify medical conditions when they first happen. Therefore, there's this increasing burden of of care. And so people in in rural areas are at higher risk of cardiovascular disease. They're at higher risks of stroke higher risk of diabetes, so lots of things that then impact on their life and their general health and well-being. We also know that people in rural areas have a higher exposure to injuries, so people working on farms, for instance, in mining, high-speed motor vehicle accidents, so there's a much higher incidence of injuries, quite catastrophic injuries, and often at people who are in their working age, so then there's a flow-on impact to Reduced economic you know, availability within local communities and in individual families.
0: So it's got really major community effects as well.
1: Huge community effects, and then if we think about, you know, we've talked about lots of physical-related things. The mental health of people living in rural areas is significantly affected, particularly, you know, at the moment we're going through drought in most of the eastern in the eastern states of Australia. And that puts huge pressure on families and on individuals. So mental illness is a significant issue in rural health. So it's, it's the combination of mental health, physical health, access to services. So there's some real complex challenges for people in rural New South Wales and you know, more broadly in rural Australia
0: makes it very different to metropolitan areas doesn't
1: it makes it very different to metropolitan areas where you know your local gp practice is probably you know a few blocks away you've probably got three four or more gps who you can see there there's specialists in every major hospital there's outpatient services there's community-based services there's early intervention services for children there's community health programs for people from all different cultural and ethnic diverse backgrounds. There's a huge number of services available. There's even
0: language services. That's right. So
1: and you know, even just things like yeah, as you say then language services. In in metropolitan hospitals there's good access to health translators and we don't have access to any of that here in rural areas. So there's a real inequity in terms of access and it's even more ironic because those conditions are more prevalent in rural Australians, yet they have the lowest level of access to the services that they need to meet that particular mm. healthcare need.
0: Charles Sturt University has been working for a while now in um, health services in regional areas. How is CSU addressing some of these needs?
1: So the, the part of CSU that I work in is the School of Community Health and we do undergraduate training for occupational therapists, physiotherapists, speech pathologists and podiatrists. CSU also does undergraduate training for dentistry, pharmacy, um, nutrition, dietetics and we'll eventually start looking at medical training as well over the next couple of years. So we are really committed to training the future really of our health workforce and providing students with opportunities to do workplace learning so, practice in rural settings, so working with local communities in local hospitals or local healthcare centres, local aged care facilities, so that students get a really first hand experience of what it's like to work in healthcare. And that's really supported by the relationships that CSU has created with all those local health service providers.
0: And what's it mean also for, for example, your own research that um, you do? Yeah. In uh, regional areas.
1: So, we have a very strong research commitment within the School of Community Health and sort of that sits more generally within the focus of the university on flourishing communities and really trying to improve the resilience of people who are living in local communities. So the research that we do really focuses on partnering with local communities and really identifying what the problem is within a local community so it might be a particular health problem so one of the ones that we're working on at the moment is a stroke rehabilitation program and another one is an early intervention program for older people before they get diagnosed with aging related disorders and our students get the opportunity to be involved in those projects and so they not only develop Research skills in terms of understanding a research question and how to collect data and evaluate that data to answer the question. But they also get experience with being able to talk to people about, you know, in a real world situation or in a real hospital situation about how their health is being impacted on. They get an understanding about how to work in multidisciplinary teams. They get experience with understanding, you know, that wider context of health. And I think because our students are often drawn from local areas, the things that we do research on often really hit home with our students because they might have a family member who's had a stroke or they might have a family member who has a mental illness. And so they can really understand yeah, when we tried to go to the hospital, there wasn't a psychiatrist for my uncle to be able to see. This is a real need. So not only do we as researchers and staff here at CSU see the need, but our students really see the need. So it becomes much more meaningful to them to be involved in that research. And it really means that they see in you know their future life, that they don't have to make a decision between being a clinician so an OT or a physio that they can be a researcher and a clinician and be answering the questions that are important. Real to The real jack-of-all-trades.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah mm. that's right. Mm. Yep. You mentioned your stroke research explain that a little bit what have you been doing in that and what's the involvement of the communities been in that?
1: Yeah so it's been a really exciting project over the last two years It was actually a program um, that was funded by New South Wales Health to look at alternative models of care and what generally happens when someone leaves a stroke unit in a regional hospital or a a remote hospital, in fact, that they leave the stroke unit, they go home to live, you know, two, three hundred kilometres away from where that stroke unit is. And they really don't get to have any ongoing outpatient therapy. And that's a really big difference to our metropolitan city cousins. And the National Stroke Foundation and the guidelines stipulate that everyone should have access to outpatient therapy. And so we really looked at trying to create a home-based program for people once they leave hospital. And it's delivered in a multitude of different ways. It's primarily facilitated online. And so we have videos for people to be able to watch of different types of therapy that they can do with a family or carer at home. We do follow-up phone calls with people. Sometimes we do we might FaceTime them or we might Skype them or whatever it might be to show them. Whatever it takes really and you know we we know that people are isolated when they go home. They've been really well supported in hospital and they've had therapists and doctors and nurses telling them what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and they go home and suddenly it just feels like they've just dropped through this big hole in the ground of healthcare. So that program was really about how we can enable people once they go home to take a little bit more control over their own rehabilitation and that's been incredibly successful and we've now received some funding to roll that out to other health districts throughout new south wales and and i think that's a research approach that we do really well here at csu like come up with something that's a local need and then work on it really well do it with our you know with our health service colleagues and so this was a project that was implemented with Aubrey Wodonga Health and with the Murrumbidgee Local Health District. So working in partnership really creating something that works for here and now that we're going to try and put it into some other health districts we're going to replicate that same model. So rather than just doing the same thing in those health districts we've actually created partnerships with clinicians and people who've had a stroke and, and, and carers in those different areas of the state, and then we'll tweak it to work for that area. And, and that's something that I think as rural researchers, we know you can't just replicate the same program all across the country. It's got to be really specific to the context that, you know, to that community or that local area to make it work. Because and the people of that area. That's right, because the people are different, the resources are different. You know, those things really impact on whether a program is going to work or mm. not. And I think that's one of the things that we do really well here at CSU. So you probably know that part of our ethos is the term Yindiamara, which is a Wiradjuri term that has different sort of meanings, but part of the meaning is really about being respectful and going slow and being respectful of place. And as rural health researchers, we totally understand that relationship between people and place and that the place that they are in is going to have a big impact on their health and mm-hmm. so if you if you don't think about place you're going to be missing a big part of the equation and, and that's a really big difference between the research that we do in rural health versus I guess Stuff that's done in a more metropolitan centre where different places are probably a little bit more homogenous, whereas out in the country we're a lot more heterogeneous and we have real variations. And I think that's a really important part of rural health is understanding the people and the place and, and fitting our research results to that.
0: And sort of going from a broader, bigger project that's going across lots of areas to a more localised project, working with older people, could you just explain a little bit about the Aging Well project? that has been running in Aubrey Wadonga.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. So, we're one year into the Aging Well project and this really came about. I actually attended a conference over in Perth and listened to a presentation from an occupational therapist in Singapore. And he was he presented some stuff that they were doing in Singapore about early intervention. And in Australia, we think about early intervention as being something related to working with kids. So early intervention being, you know, in those really early formative years before kids go to school. And I had never thought about it in the context of older people. And it really made me think, here in our local community and lots of other communities in Australia, we have got an increasingly aged population. Mm. And there's a big group of people who are starting to experience the early signs of ageing, so, for example, <laughs> got his hand up. so things like um, some memory loss, reduced concentration, might be starting to get some loss of balance or more easily fatigued, and and those things, if if we don't intervene early, those sorts of things can lead to a diagnosis of a more significant illness. And what I was saying right back at the beginning about people in rural areas aren't great at getting in early with medical problems they tend to wait and wait and wait and only go to the doctor once things become a real problem for them so we wanted to be really proactive about the approach to aging and and so the aging well program so we invited local people from our local community who all all responded to We advertised through the local newspaper and on the local news and um, on ABC radio and um, we got a massive response, a lot more than we were ever expecting. We plan to run one group and we've now run four as a result of that. And it's really a program that gets in early and teaches people how to be much more aware of what they're doing to reduce the risks of things like falls, so that when they're, you know, when you hop up to go and get something from another room at home, rather than just just jumping up and going and doing it, actually stopping and thinking, where am I going to, what am I doing? And then doing it in a way that's gonna you know, make sure that you're concentrating a lot more on what you're doing, that you're not gonna you know, end up having a fall along the way. Because most people, when you say to them, who's had a fall, oh, what happened? They're like, oh, I don't even really know. I was just sitting there, and then the next minute I was down on the ground. So most people fall when they're not really paying a lot of attention. So this program is really about enhancing people's cognitive abilities and their motor abilities to make them much more able to stay living independently in the community, reduce their risk of falls, and I guess slow down the process of aging, but really approaching it from a very proactive health and wellbeing model rather than approaching it from a you've got these problems type of negative Mm -hmm. model. And we've actually got our students involved in that program, which has been brilliant. So we've had our podiatry, physiotherapy and occupational therapy students all facilitate the program under supervision of of our qualified allied health staff. And the students have learnt so much about working with older people. Now that they've met all of these, you know, people who are really vibrant, still really engaged in their community and wanting to proactively prevent ageing. They're, our students are now going, wow, these people are great to work with. You know, Maybe I will work in this sector, which is critical because with our ageing population, you know, we have to prepare a workforce that's ready to meet that need. So our Ageing Well program's just going from strength to strength. It's been a fantastic initiative.
0: Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to sharing all of our seashore stories with you. For more information on seashore stories, go to news.csu.edu.au.